Hello and welcome to the Monday Media Podcast. I'm your host Gemma Kinzer and in this very special episode we will be talking about the importance of ethical filmmaking and how films can make an impact on the world and to help shed some light on this topic I am joined with the one and only Alex Lockwood. Hello. Thank you so much for being a part of this podcast. I was, I couldn't believe that you said yes to come on in all honesty so I'm, I really appreciate you being here today. Uh, happy to help. <laughs> Could you please introduce yourself and tell us who you are, what you do, and where you found your passion for filmmaking? Yes, so my name's Alex Lockwood and I'm a documentary and narrative filmmaker with really a focus on making films that shed light on difficult issues or issues of ethics or issues that might not have been covered before in mainstream media. My passion for filmmaking came about really... uh, an early age you know I've always wanted to tell stories and you know that started out through just telling stories vocally through to taking photos drawing pictures and then you know towards my sort of teen years sort of picked up a camera and started telling stories that way and uh, haven't really stopped since. Where would you say your filmmaking is based would you say it's mainly like Midlands based like UK based or is it just all over the world? My filmmaking's it's based all over the world, really. I mean, it started off a lot more local, but that's just because of the practicalities of of doing that. You know, obviously, when you're an up-and-coming filmmaker, it's a lot harder to tell stories that aren't local. But as things have sort of grown, and particularly with the success of our last film, I've been able to sort of branch out and tell stories from, yeah, a bit of both, really. So... How do you come up with your concepts for making documentaries? How do you decide, yep, that's worth making a documentary about, or is it a completely different process? To me, finding the story is by far the the most difficult part of the entire process. The practicalities of actually making a film, in terms of how hard it is, pale in insignificance when compared to actually trying to find a decent subject. I find it really hard and... I spend ages sort of researching things and trying to find interesting angles on things and you go down a lot of avenues trying to find a story and you reach a dead end and you realise, oh, this is just something that's been covered before or this is something that perhaps doesn't hit me as hard as I thought it would. So it's quite rare when you do come across the story and you think that is a gem and I can't wait to tell that. That's only happened a few times but really it's about research and getting out and talking to people and just looking into issues that you're interested in and eventually you'll you'll find your subject that way. What's your research process like when looking for these documentaries? Is it you try to go out and specifically look for a business or do you try to find the company or do you try to find like issues that are actually happening in the world right now and around us and you feel and you feel like that need you want to provide a platform for their voices to be heard which might be misrepresented in the media yeah I'd say I sort of just keep my eyes and ears open to everything that's going on and if I hear about something in the news or if I hear about an issue that I think you know perhaps isn't being covered in the right way I'll just try and dig out some stories from that and you know I, I try and you try and do it on the internet and then you realise actually if it's on the internet then it's probably something that's already been covered. So it's just a case of like finding key people and trying to contact them and reach out to them and 
seeing who they know and what they know and just exploring things that way. So um, you have to be a bit of a detective sometimes to find a decent story. But when it works out, it's all worth it, you know. Oh, definitely. I recently worked on a documentary for the Warsaw allotments. And the reason why we worked on a documentary for them is because the, I think it was the Birmingham or Warsaw Council, they were going to completely get rid of these allotments to turn it into basically a massive car park for the Commonwealth Games. And there was so many petitions going around about like, you know, people like trying to save the allotments because these allotments, they've been around for like over a hundred years. And what I found out from these allotments is with the people who own these allotments they've like they've got their own businesses there people do it obviously for their mental health reasons and it's crazy to think that people were going to lose lose their businesses and then their mental health was probably going to be affected by it so we wanted to make a documentary because it wasn't getting it wasn't getting enough coverage for it. And obviously a lot of people wanted to save it. And what was absolutely crazy about these allotments is right next door to the allotments, they literally have a whole field completely free, which they could use for a car park, but they decided against it. So through this documentary, we were able to help bring more people in to sign the petition. And it was really, really good. And we got some really positive feedback from it. And luckily, the allotments are now saved. So it means that the Commonwealth Games aren't going to use it. So which is like really, really good. So what got you into ethical filmmaking? Why do you believe these topics need to be brought to life through film? I think what you've just said there about the allotment, I feel like I've heard about that, actually. I'd be interested to see that. But that's a really good example of why you should make films about issues like that. Because at the end of the day the way in which people consume information has changed and people watch films much more than they read articles now, whether you think that's a good or a bad thing, it is true. And so in that, documentaries have a huge power to really make change and to really affect things in the real world. They're not just a kind of like, you know, let's watch this and it'll be entertainment. They actually have an impact. Yeah, they're not just there for escapism. That's it. But I'd, I'd say that's the the main reason that I want to make documentaries really is because I can see that they have a real world impact. Your documentary, 73 Cows, is so amazing and I'd like to wish you a huge congratulations on winning a BAFTA. Thanks. Yeah. It's so it's so well deserved. I was watching 73 Cows last night and I was in tears. Could you give us a brief description of what 73 Cows is about for anyone listening who has no idea? 73 Cows is about a former beef farmer from Derbyshire and he'd farmed for beef his entire life. His dad had done it, so he'd grown up on this farm. But more and more he felt uneasy with it and uneasy with the fact that he felt like he knew his animals and he saw them as in the same way people would see a cat or a dog or a family pet, you know, and... Over the years, he became really, really uncomfortable and really depressed by what he was doing day in and day out. It's about that, really. It's exploring his conscience. And there's a bit of a turning point in the film where he says, you know what, I'm I'm not going to do this anymore, but now I need to look for a way to sort of go on and keep my farm, but not continue to do what I'm doing to these animals. 
So yeah, it's it's about that and what he does with the cows as well. It's so amazing, especially with how you filmed it as well, because you've used like slow-mo shots and guessing you've used some drone shots as yeah. well. And it's so cool because even... It, like it's so cool how you you've established the people who are featured within the documentary. You've also made out that like, the cows are characters as well because they are, and you can you can like sympathise with them. I know that probably sounds really weird, but you really can through the film, like you would with any other character through like any like TV show or anything. You can connect with what's going on, and I feel like you portray that through the documentary so very well and. How would you describe your BAFTA experience and how did you feel on winning the BAFTA for it? Were your initial aims for your film to like go out and like receive awards for it? No, um, the whole BAFTA thing has been a bit mad, really. Um, I don't think anybody in the crew expected that to happen. You know, it wasn't the aim. The aim was just to make a thought-provoking piece that might open eyes and might, you know, give a different perspective on something. The whole BAFTA thing and all of the festivals have just been like a complete shock, and it's been it's been great really, and it's it's meant that like at work all of a sudden has a light shine on it, and people are interested in seeing what we do next. Yeah, it's just been a complete like I don't want to be cheesy and say journey, but I guess it has been a bit of a journey. I mean, it's been amazing. How did you how did you find these people? How did you find that this story needed to be told? Um, so my wife found an article about Jay and she was like, look at this. And I was like, wow, that's, that's amazing. And I literally said to her, I can't wait to watch that when they make the film out of it. And it wasn't until a few weeks later that I just thought like, why, why don't I make that film? You know, I think that's a, a classic example of like, sometimes you're looking so hard for documentary subjects that you miss the ones right under your nose and that sort of pass you by just because you you sort of naively think the really good ideas are going to be covered by somebody else. So yeah, a few weeks after seeing that article, when it sort of sunk in that actually, you know, no one's made this film yet, you should approach them. I uh, reached out to uh, Jay and his wife through Facebook, because that was the only place I could find that they had like anything online, like they didn't have a number or anything. And I was like, how am I going to find these people? but they have a Facebook page. And so I contacted them thinking that they'd be like, you know, no, we're sick of all this media stuff. And I, I thought they'd just dismiss it, but they were the complete opposite. They were really accommodating and they were sort of saying, just come and film whenever you want and do whatever you want. And so it's great really working with them. That's really, really cool with you saying all that because when you were saying about you found them through Facebook, that was like how I approached you really. It was like, I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to message him thinking, oh no, he, prob he probably won't say anything. <laughs> I was like, he'll probably be like, be like, no, you know, she's just a student, you know, you know, I've got like, I've been, you know, what, you know, why should I go for a student podcast when, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> when, you know, I've been like, been to like BBC and ITV. So I, I was thinking, I was like, I was like, no, nah, it's probably not going to, probably not going to happen, but you know, got if you don't if you don't ask you don't get and then when, it, yeah. when you came back and you were like yeah sure I was like oh my god yeah. well, I think it's uh I think it's important that you sort of give back a little bit I mean it wasn't long ago that I was a student and I think it's important that you don't sort of like almost lose your roots in that sense and become ungrounded to things so. yeah would you say your course 
helped you to where you are today? And would you have ever thought that the student filmmaker you were back then would ever win a BAFTA? I think the course definitely helped in the sense that, like, it enabled me to make films. So, like, uh, filmmaking, unlike anything else, really, is really annoyingly difficult because basically you just need a certain amount of things in terms of kit in order to even make a film. Um, I always think, like, with a painter, you can have a brush and a canvas and some paints and away you go. With a graphic designer, if you've got a computer and some software, maybe buy, like, one of those, you know, pen tablet things and away you go. You know, whereas with filmmaking, it's so hard for young people to get into just because of the financial investment that you need, which is, you know really annoying and there should be more schemes in place to help young people make films and collaborate with each other which is why courses and colleges and universities are so good because what my course enabled me to do is as I said just make films and work with other people who are like-minded as well I think if I hadn't have you know done my course then I wouldn't have actually made anywhere near the number of films that I did during it I would say all of the films I made there, I look back now and I go, oh my God, they're absolutely terrible. Um, but that's all part of the process, you know. I think what you can't do is be afraid of making films because you're scared of doing a bad job. Yeah, I mean, it's all about, you know, you're always going to develop and refine your skills. And I was having a conversation this morning with some students who are going on to like their last year of level three at the moment. And I was basically saying to them, like, I have a load of projects from when I was doing a level three media course being like, I keep them all in a folder where it's like, we do not speak of these projects. These projects don't exist anymore because I felt like embarrassed of them at the time. But then I showed them like my progression of how I've been since then, how you refine your skills and you constantly like develop and everything. And like you said, I feel like there's every filmmaker out there who has made a project where they're just embarrassed by it and cringy they're like mm -mm, no wasn't me so it's all a part of that process really about like getting better and well yeah you never know one day you might win a BAFTA <laughs> and you also got to meet Prince William what what was it like hearing him talk about your film was it a surreal feeling yeah it's very strange because we, we didn't know that we were gonna meet him and then he sort of they lined us all up and he came out and uh, I thought he was just going to say, like, well done. Um, but he, he started talking about the film, he'd seen it. So it was, it was all like, like, what, you've watched the film? And he said, yeah, I was watching the news the other day and I, I saw you on there and it was just, just bizarre, really. And it's so cool that, like, he was actually, like, talking to you, like, about your film. You never realise who your films are going to reach. So what were your initial aims behind making 73 Cows? Really, I just wanted to make a thought-provoking character piece and whilst, like, I'm, you know, a vegan and the film obviously touches on veganism, I don't see that as being the central aim for the film. I more see it as a, being a film about mental health, which is why I think it connects with people who aren't vegetarian and vegan because it's more so about somebody doing something that they are at odds with in terms of their ethics and I think... Everybody can relate to that and everybody's been in a situation where you're doing something and you're questioning yourself or you're in a career and you're saying, you know, is this really right? 
So my aim was just to explore what I thought was like a really fascinating character. It's like you said, with the whole veganism and everything, it's not so in your face. You're not forcing that to the viewers. And that's what I took away from it. It's the fact that that's not what the documentary was about at all. That was kind of like the, oh, here's like a little like bonus fact what you should know. But it's not it's not the main reason. Yeah. And I am absolutely astounded how you were able to achieve making such amazing films with a low budget. Like, what's your secret? How do you do with, like, no budget? <laughs> I think it's um, it's all about collaboration, really. And sort of, you know, you have to beg, steal and borrow as, like, a, an up-and-coming filmmaker. And the more people that you know, the more people you have to sort of draw in and... You know, I you know, going back to like when I was at university, the cinematographer I met there was the cinematographer I made the film with. And he's built up quite a lot of kit through his corporate work. I've built up a little bit of kit through my corporate work, nowhere near as much, but like coming together, we've, you know, got enough to make a film and he knew a sound guy and the production assistant is my wife. So it's all about like just trying to draw in as many favours as possible and saying, you know, if you do a day on my shoot, I'll do a day on your shoot. And if I can use this bit of kit from you, will you do this for me? You know, it's it's just about trying to work it in a way where, you know, instead of splashing out loads of cash, you're just collaborating. And, and that's really the way for young up-and-coming filmmakers, I think, because going out and trying to obtain funding is just so hard. And whilst the opportunities are there, they're very small, particularly if, say, you don't have much in your showreel. And people always want to know, what have you done before? What have you done before? And if this is your sort of breakthrough piece, then that becomes very hard. So collaboration is the is the key thing, I'd say, if, you know, in terms of just getting a film made with low budget. That's so cool that you can achieve something to a really high standard and great standard as well. And it was like produced with little money. And it's, it is all about just working with the people you know and like just creating, building those relationships. And other than your film, 73 Cows, you have also had other projects in the works. You have been working on another inspirational documentary called The Hudson Project, which I would like to talk to you about. So... Could you give us a brief summary of what the Hudson Project is about? So the Hudson Project is mainly trying to raise awareness of plastic pollution and it follows the journey of Lizzie Carr, who is a paddleboarder, who paddleboards in order to raise awareness of plastic pollution as she makes her way. She paddleboarded the entire tidal length of the Hudson River and I documented that entire journey. So it was quite a difficult one logistically because obviously she's on the water and you want to get shots that are close up and personal you don't want to get everything by like drone and obviously like in America like the drone laws are quite tight particularly when you're getting into like New York City for a lot of it I was in a boat filming and for some of it I was in a kayak filming but that felt a bit precarious so I didn't do that for long but yeah it was it was logistically really hard but it was really really rewarding because it was just like a re it was like a proper adventure I don't think I, you know it's a, it just felt like a really rare opportunity to actually go on like an adventure with someone and film it so it was a, it was a great job in that sense so did you film all of that on your own then 
yeah, so that that one was a solo shoot, so just me, so all of the sound and everything is just me, which obviously makes it a lot more logistically hard and you're constantly, like, faffing around with things and, like, constantly going into your bag and changing lenses, trying to get off the tripod on onto, the, like, the stabiliser. Did you ever have the constant worry of any of your equipment falling into the river? Yeah, massively. Like, when I was in the in the kayak, that was really worrying because I didn't care if I fell in, but it's just, like, if the kit goes in, that's that. A, a few times I'd sort of stopped to get the shot, kayak out to the middle of the Hudson and then stop to get the shot and then Lizzie would be like, don't stop, that's the worst thing you can do because then you don't have the momentum to carry you as the waves sort of come. So, yeah, we didn't do that for long because it was just a bit, it was a little bit too precarious. But the shots I did get from that were shots that you can't really get from a boat because they're sort of really close up and personal, really low profile as well. So I'm glad we did it. I just wouldn't do it again. Fair play to you. It's all about getting that shot. Yeah. <laughs> when you were saying about like, oh, I don't care if I fall into the river, as long as the equipment doesn't, <laughs> I relate to that so hard. I got to work on a festival up in Wales and it was literally on top of a, it was on top of a big hill yeah. and it was pouring it down with rain it was like thunder and lightning it was hailing and everything and I literally took off like all my waterproof stuff and just pull it over the equipment because I was thinking I was like at the end of the day I don't care if I get a cold but if this equipment gets ruined you know I'm gonna have to pay thousands of pounds to replace it it's like I'm not doing that so I can't afford to do that so I completely get that you've got to make sure the equipment's fine before yeah, you suffer for your art sometimes oh you? definitely we have to as indie filmmakers we have we have to sacrifice so much in order to create something absolutely amazing and what's your approach to the Hudson project and how is it different to other documentaries similar to this in terms of being different to other documentaries similar it's entirely character based a bit like with 73 cows so I always try and approach things from the viewpoint of looking at the character first and then through the character you can explore the issue rather looking at the issue first and through the issue you get to know people along the way because I think the reason it's important to make films like that is because at the end of the day people relate to people much faster than they relate to an issue and through a person you can emote, you can attach feelings and it's much harder to do that if you're going to do something entirely sort of fact-based and you're just going to show lots of sweeping shots of things that relate to the issue, but there's no kind of story behind it based on a character. So I'd say that's the main way in that it's different and, and, and also that it's short as well. It's short form. And the reason for that is just so that anybody can watch it. You know, it's, it's, it's like 10 minutes. So we wanted it to be the kind of length that people would go on their lunch break. Oh, you know, it's only 10 minutes. I'll give that a watch, you know. Speaking of short form projects, would you say that because even though, yeah, the final piece is 10 minutes long, we all know that you've probably got like hours and hours and hours of footage to go through. So how do you make that decision of, right, this stays, this goes? You have to tell the story in the best way possible. And usually that means cutting out rather than 
adding in. In fact, I don't think I've ever been in a situation where the first draft is shorter than the last draft. It always gets reduced down because in your first draft, you chuck in everything and you go, I love that shot, I love this bit. And you just chuck everything in thinking it's all relevant and everybody has to see this and that. And then you you look at it and you you step away from it and then you look at it again, you get others to look at it and then you sort of realise actually like that's not important and it's all about like you have to sometimes like kill the shots that you like the most just because you know what's best for the story. So like you say with the Hudson Project, that was 10 days filming, so it works out at like a day a minute and that was filming like the entire day and you sort of realise actually, you know, this shot is exactly the same as a shot I've gotten previously. This point is the same as a point that was made earlier, but just not as good. With 73 Cows, initially I had a whole backstory with Jay's dad and what Jay's dad meant to him. And in the end, I felt like, actually, that can all be summarised in, like, one line at the beginning of the film. And you think, I don't need to go into that backstory. Like, it's nice to explore it, but actually, it's just creating a point in the film that kind of sags a little bit and takes it off course. So, uh, yeah, it's really hard, but it's just about, like, sacrificing, like, the bits you absolutely love for the bits that you think make for the best story. With 73 Cows and that backstory, when watching the documentary, like, I didn't even, like, consider, like, a backstory with his dad and I think it is mentioned... But you saying that, it's like, oh, my God, that's so cool. And we would, obviously, as an audience, we would still like to know that information. Would you ever consider doing, like, a director's cut and including, like, so much stuff in there, what you didn't include in there? So I think what you've just said is, like, really interesting. Yeah, I mean, um, I probably wouldn't because I kind of like to just, once I've done a film, just, like, park it and move on from it and move on to something different. I think... At the end of the day, you kind of have to think to yourself, like, it was cut for a reason. And uh, whilst that backstory was kind of interesting, it wasn't interesting to the level that I felt the rest of it was interesting. Did you feel like it probably wasn't as relevant? Yeah, I, I, it definitely wasn't as relevant. I mean, it's it's relevant to the story in the sense that it paints a picture of who he is, but you can do that in a few lines sometimes. And I think sometimes it's it's important to kind of remember not to kind of like spoon feed the audience and not underestimate them. And, and actually like the audience will pick up on like a thing, a picture, you know. So, so all someone has to do is look at a picture of their dad rather than talk about them for five minutes. And you get that they're fond of their dad and that there's a memory there and that there's a connection. You can... And that's the beauty of film, really. You don't have to spell everything out because you have audio and visual. So you can just say, you know, it's true. Well, they say like a picture paints a thousand words and that's that's what you kind of need to do in filmmaking is look at for more interesting ways that you can, you can make relevant points. With documentaries, it's fun because you can find the story in the edit rather than in the production. So some of the time and also when it comes to the post-production stages of the films, as a director, you have to make the tough decisions of what footage stays or gets to cut. And like you said, pictures can say a thousand words. 
and you don't have to go into so much detail. I'm definitely that type of person that likes to go round and round about twice just to get to a point. <laughs> I've learned over the years of how to get to the point quicker. I'm still learning. That's probably probably why I ended up doing podcasting because I can literally talk for England, <laughs> which is probably a good way in one in one way, but. As filmmakers, we have a responsibility of making sure our voices can be heard. How do you make sure the messages you are trying to get across is clear through your projects? The best way, which I, because I make films that are more character-based, I just have to kind of trust the people in the films to tell the story and to enable them to tell the story in their own way rather than me sort of going at it and trying to say trying to make their points for them and question them with an agenda. And because usually, you know, if you're interviewing somebody about a subject, then you're interviewing that person for a reason. And so the best way to explore that subject is to just let them do the talking. Obviously, you have to sort of be clever with your questioning to get people on track and you want to draw certain things out. But ultimately, they should tell the story in their way and their interview and performance should almost form the basis of how you edit it and the pacing and, and everything. Like 73 Cows is quite slow-paced because Jay is a kind of slow-paced guy and it m would match his tone, so there's a lot of slow-mo. There's less of that in The Hudson Project because Lizzie is more... She's a kind of more dynamic in how she speaks and she's a lot faster paced. So I think that what I'm trying to say basically is that the best way the message will come across is by letting the character do the talking rather than you trying to like force your agenda onto that character. Have your films started discussions on these issues and helped made a difference? Amazingly, we've had a really good response, particularly to 73 Cows. I expected there to be like a lot of division, I thought we'd get a lot of trolls and a lot of people coming back to it because veganism is such a divisive topic and whilst I see it as being a film more so about mental health, I knew people would latch on to the sort of vegan thing first because it's the easiest thing to latch on to, but it hasn't really happened. The amazing thing is people email me all the time and they say they're beginning to sort of question their ethics and I think whilst that wasn't the point of the film, if people do that, then that's great and... Um, uh, we screened the film. We, we were invited to screen the film at European Parliament in front of policymakers in order to try and inspire change in agricultural law. And that's something that we just never thought was going to happen. And that's an example of like a real world effect coming from a documentary. I mean, when we set off with no money, we never imagined that we'd be invited to Brussels to show the film to try and actually directly change things. So, so that was uh, that was great. That's so amazing. And additionally, we also have the power to spread awareness and provide platforms for people to have a voice, which is probably misrepresented in the media. And your films are so inspiring. And what's amazing about them is that they feature some very unique perspectives. So why do you feel it's crucial for filmmakers to take advantage of our platforms and try to make a difference in the world? I think the main reason is because we can and uh, if you can make a difference then you should and you should make your voice heard and like I said earlier documentaries and narrative films actually not just documentaries but 
documentaries in particular just because they focus on things that are instantly real. They have a huge power and if you're a documentary maker, then you have a, a, a huge power and, you know, I think it would be a waste for you to have that power and not you. I sound like I'm talking about superheroes now, but um, <laughs> but yeah, it would be a waste to to not use it where you have an ability to to make a real change. I mean, if you're passionate about something, then just go for it, you know. Talking about all of your projects, they all have such strong messages. Like, I think not one of them is like, like completely like low compared to the other one. They're all so unique and so special and have amazing meanings. And oh my gosh, if you do not win a BAFTA for the Hudson Project one, I will actually scream. <laughs> I will start a protest because <laughs> like that sounds absolutely amazing and it's so unique. And oh, I really hope oh, I really cheers. hope all your projects go well. So I have a few questions from the listeners. So firstly, what valuable lessons have you learned from ethical filmmaking? And is there anything you wish you had taken a different approach to? The lesson I think I've learned from ethical filmmaking is that people will listen if you make the points in the right way. I think one of the keys is not to be too pushy with how you approach the subject. I mean, there's, you know, if you look at 73 Cows and veganism, then, you know, you I, I could have gone quite pushy with that and really like hammered home a kind of vegan message, which at the end of the day would have just turned people off to it and I think it would have just divided the audience and people would have been like, oh, it's another one of those vegan advocacy films. And so I'd say with the messages in your film, you have to make them subtle and watchable rather than trying to like ram a point down somebody's throat, if you know what I mean, because there's plenty of films that do that. And there is a place for the more sort of like extreme, you know, the sort of things like, Dominion and Cowspiracy and, and, and those sort of films. I mean, they definitely have a place because they do resonate with people. But to me personally, I just think it's best to be subtle and let the audience figure out things for themselves and just try and make something that isn't going to just be completely abrasive to watch. Yeah, you just don't want to force too much down people's throats and I'm very happy that I decided to take the route what I have with this podcast because I feel like it's turned out for the best so moving on to the next question has your film festival experience impacted your films the response from film festivals have been amazing because I've been through the phase of being an aspiring filmmaker where you submit to loads of film festivals and you spend more money than you have and they all turn you down and you just feel completely rejected. It's a horrible phase to go through and I think very few filmmakers don't go through that phase if they're going to go down the festival route. I mean, hats off to anyone that just comes out of university and, oh, you're in all the festivals and all of that. And so it's been great to finally get to a point where festivals approach you rather than you approaching festivals and you you can sort of target the festivals that you go for and you you have a, a more of an idea of which festivals suit your film and which festivals you think are worthwhile so yeah it's it's been great in that sense and the uh, 73 cows was premiered at rain dance film festival which i've always wanted to be a part of because it's got a focus on independent filmmakers and so when it got into there that was like 
that was like the main one that I wanted to get into at the time. And so that was great. And to have the premiere there, it was amazing. And uh, that was actually the first time that we saw it on the big screen. Because unlike a massive film company where you can watch your film and test run it on like a giant cinema screen, as an independent filmmaker, you can't really afford to do that. So it was a bit worrying thinking, you know, what if there's like a booming shot or someone's reflection somewhere or just something with the audio that we just ha you can't pick up on. But luckily it was... It was all right. It was all right. Would you class yourself as making it in the industry? I say making it as a very light term because you can take that with a pinch of salt, but would you say you've made it? It's really tricky. I don't know if you you ever feel like you've made it, made it. In some senses, like, if I could show, like, a younger self, like, the opportunities that I now have, I'd be really happy. I'd be like, oh, wow, he's made it. I finally made it. But when I think about it, you know, I think to me making it would be getting funding to do feature films and possibly dipping into, like, narratives as well. So I wouldn't say that I've sort of made it, made it yet, but I've definitely got more opportunities than I did have previously. I'm definitely, like, happy with the direction that it's going in. What advice would you give to people looking into ethical filmmaking? The advice that I'd give would mainly be not to be afraid of exploring a subject and challenging yourself as you explore that subject. And I think one of the main things that you have to do with ethical filmmaking and anything where you're exploring a topic that might be divisive is you have to ask difficult questions and you have to play devil's advocate. So my advice would be, like, you have to treat the people in your film sensitively and get to know them because you need them to get to a place where they're comfortable with you enough to speak on camera. So that would be my main bit of advice is just, like, don't be afraid of the subject, don't be afraid to challenge it, and don't be afraid to ask difficult questions, but make sure that you're doing it responsibly. You're not, like hanging anybody out to dry. You're not, like, picking someone to be in your film that you think is going to be, like, really controversial and that you can exploit. You have to treat everybody in your documentaries as responsibly because at the end of the day you have a lot of power over someone that you're editing. So, yeah, my main bit of advice would be, like, don't be afraid of it, but treat your subjects sensitively. Thank you for finally being a part of the podcast and congratulations on all your success with your films and I'm looking forward to seeing what the future holds for you and thank you everyone for listening and hope you will join us again for another episode.